Before I start this morning, um, I want to let you know, last week at the end of the service, I didn't go out and shake hands. I went downstairs because the service, because of the back-to-school thing, was running a little long, and I needed to get downstairs. Well, this morning, I don't want to be rude again, but um, I won't be back there shaking hands because I had a stomach virus hit me about 3 o'clock this morning, and so we're going to hang on to this today, and, uh, but also just for your own um, concerns about germs when we get to communion, I'm going to stay away, okay, so we won't contaminate anybody. But anyway, I want to I start off this morning talking about what it means to get lit. And let me ask you a question. Is anybody out there lit this morning? Well, if you aren't already lit, I hope by the time you leave church that maybe you will be lit. And I can tell by looking at a couple faces out there that some of you know a definition of lit. And if you do, you might be curious as to where this message is headed. Me too. Actually, though, the term lit has been around for over 70 years. I thought it was a new term, but I went to the Urban Dictionary online, and you know that's a reliable source. (laughs) Says the young guy laughing, (laughs) he knows. But lit is a term to describe the mildly intoxicated. It was often used by blues and jazz musicians in the 1940s and the 50s and the 60s, and they used the word lit to describe that sweet spot in which someone was drunk enough to be relaxed and play better without being wasted and not being able to play at all. And then the Urban Dictionary's second definition for lit is being so intoxicated that all a person can do is smile. They look lit up like a light. So who wants to get lit this morning? I got a hand. Well, before anybody starts texting me or sending me emails, I am talking about a completely different kind of lit. What I'm talking about is what you could call a Christian lit. And and to help me define that for you this morning, I've got a couple of volunteers who I chose, and they said yes. Um, Charlie and Sue Robertson, would you please come forward? What's that? Stagger forward. Yeah, they're not already lit. Okay. You guys can just come up right here and stand right here and face, face your adoring um, congregation. So we're going to start with Charlie. <clears throat> Charlie, we're going to have you play pretend. And you get to pretend to be somebody that you're not. And, and I, In fact, we're going to change Charlie's name to Fred just to make people... Make sure people know that I'm not talking about Charlie. I am talking about Fred. And so Fred is a Christian, but there's something not quite right about his faith. And (laughs) should have known that was coming. But I'm going to use this garbage bag to illustrate if we can get it on. Fred, okay, there are two armholes. I'll let you, it goes over your head. Okay. Yeah, help him out there. Good wife helping, whoop, arm, not your head through the armhole. There you go, there you go. Okay, so, oh, and while I'm at it, I'll give you that later. Well, this garbage bag kind of shows Fred's approach to life. See, Fred could actually have the light of Jesus in his heart, but he hides it all week. It's hidden under this garbage bag. It's hidden under his covering. And, you know, some guys and gals do that. They hide their faith all week, and then they get it back out on Sunday mornings. 
You know, Sue, I think that's an improvement. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just kidding, Charlie. I mean, Fred. Oh, and, and I also... Not, <laughs> not only does he hide his faith, but he's a Cubs fan. We're not fans of Fred. Fred's a good guy, but I would say Fred is a dimwit. I mean, dimly lit. He's dimly lit. Okay. Charlie, you can take that off if you'd like. Well, then we got Sue. And Sue is so lit for Christ. You guys know that. She doesn't have to pretend. There's some beads for you. You can wear those beads. I'll let you put this on. Um, it says you're 30. I know that's a little older than you are, but that's, you can put that on. Okay. Can you tell this girl's lit for Christ? She loves Jesus, and it shows. Everything about her speaks to her faith. She lights up every room she goes in with her Christ-like smile. She teaches her family and others about Jesus. People at work know that she's a believer just by her demeanor. And she loves her neighbor. And she demonstrates her love for her neighbor by showing mercy and compassion. Sue gives of herself. She prays for her family, her co-workers, and her neighbors. And she's always ready to help. But there's more to it. Sue talks about Jesus. Every conversation is an opportunity to share her faith. And actually, I think when, when Paul wrote this passage to the church at Corinth, he had Sue in mind. He said, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. We are the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. And so what Paul was basically saying there is Sue stinks. But in a really sweet, good way. She exudes the beautiful aroma of Christ. So thank you guys for coming up. So you get to keep your beads and, and tiara. Charlie, I, I'm glad you gave me the bag back. I need that. <laughs> okay, thank you. Give him a round of applause. See, to be, to be lit for Christ is to be his light in the world. It is to bring hope and joy and righteousness and to offer his salvation. Light is delivered with grace, with humility, and with love. To be lit for Jesus is to belong to Jesus. It's to be a new creation in Christ. It's to live life with a purpose. It is to make a difference. So to be Christian lit for Jesus is to bring the glory of God to the world and to glorify God. So let me ask you again, are you lit this morning? Yes. With that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the Father of light. You created light. You sent your Son as the light of the world. You bring light to people living in darkness. I pray that this morning that your light would shine on this congregation, that it would shine not only on us but through us. I pray we would reflect the light of the world to everyone we meet. Amen. Now, if you are here last Sunday, you, you know we began looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. And so you might want to open up your Bible to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It also is on your message insert if you'd like to look at that. You can read along with me. Here's Jesus' words in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. These words are very well known, but the message of these verses, it needs to be heard over and over and over again. And so this is what Jesus said. He said, you are the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a light, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Did you catch that first line? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You. Now, of course, he was talking to his disciples and to those on the hillside, but even though those words were uttered nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus was talking directly to you and to me. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 says that we are children of light. Ephesians 5.8 says that we are light in the world. 2 Corinthians 4.6 speaks of the light of Jesus shining in our hearts. And that's a lot of light, and so I would say we should be lit for Jesus. See, being Christ's light is our identity. It's who we are at the very core of our being. We didn't earn it. It was given to us. Being the light of the world is the best thing that could happen to us. And if you and I are lit for Christ, we should let Jesus shine. Jesus made it really clear. He said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Jesus' reference there to a a city on a hill is one that I think we easily understand today. A a city on a hill can be seen from miles away, whether it's daytime or nighttime. And ancient cities were often built of white limestone. And this meant that they gleamed in the sunlight. They stood out on even the brightest of days. They were difficult to miss. And in those ancient cities at night, the oil lamps of the city dwellers kept the city still visible from miles away. And by day or by night, the city was a beacon of light, a beacon of light to a weary traveler. The city may have represented home or safety or a place of rest or a place with friends and family. Jesus said, you can't hide a city on a hill. If a person is lit For Christ, they stand out like a beacon. Now, Jesus also spoke of a lamp. Now, we all know you can hide the light of a lamp. All you have to do is cover it up, even if it's still lit. The light's still there, but nobody can see it. And that's exactly what some Christians do. That's what our friend Fred with the garbage bag did. Doesn't make sense, though. You and I have the best news ever. God can use us to change lives. And knowing that, why would we ever want to hide the light of Christ? Well, I've got a few reasons, possibilities, why that might happen sometimes. Maybe we, we hide Jesus' light because we don't really believe. And what we don't believe is that we can't really believe that we are the light of the world. Some of us have decided that maybe we're not worthy. We don't have the ability. We don't know our Bible well enough. Others can shine Jesus' light, but not me. Or maybe we're too proud, or or we're too ashamed of our sins. It could be that we like our comfort. And that could be tied to our fear. Maybe we're afraid of shining Jesus' light, that it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. We might face the persecution that we talked about last week in the Beatitudes. It's easier to keep a garbage bag on or stay at home. Or, you know what, it could be peer pressure that dims our light. 
We want to fit in with the so-called cool kids. And by cool kids, I mean those who are like the culture. We don't want to be that weird or awkward Christian guy or gal. But let me tell you this. If people don't have Christ, they aren't cool. We're the cool kids. Maybe our light doesn't shine because we've got other priorities. You know, Jesus takes too much time, time that we could be spending on our career, our wealth, our time that could be spent on sports or our social calendar or whatever. We're busy. We're just, we just get too busy, and that happens. But I'll tell you this. If we are willing to let Christ's light shine through us, we will impact our world. We will impact our world in ways that have eternal value. God will use us. And the way to do that, the way to impact our world is actually very practical. You can do it. I can do it. And that's because we shine the light of Christ through good deeds, by doing good. That's what the passage said. Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Barely a week goes by that we don't talk about how that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Our good deeds don't save us. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to do good deeds. Our good works do prove who we are. They help others see our faith. Our good works help people see Jesus. And there's actually three places where these good deeds can shine the greatest. And the first is with family. A lit life shines with family. In Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul provided some examples of how to be lit in our families. In Ephesians 5, Paul challenged a wife to respect her husband. He added that the husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church. In those same chapters, Paul said that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. In Ephesians 6, 4, Paul wrote, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And I would say if we could do just those things, we would light up our family with the love of Christ. But it doesn't always work that way. I remember when our boys were young, Sunday mornings at the Stalin house were not a picture of a family letting Jesus' light shine. I was the guilty one most of the time. I exasperated my children. I didn't show the love of Christ to my wife. See, if you know something about me, you know that, that I always like to be on time. And for me, anything less than maybe 10 or 15 minutes early is actually really late. And if you've raised kids, you see the challenges that that can bring on a Sunday morning. On a, on a typical Sunday morning, I'd be ready to leave the house five or ten minutes before we had to leave. Remember that five to ten minutes early thing. And Mary would get herself ready. And Mary also was the one to make sure the boys were ready. And do you see where this is possibly headed? Once I was ready, I would start watching the clock. At the appointed time, I would get into the car and wait for my family. I'd get impatient sometimes. I'd get aggravated. I'd be thinking, why can't Mary get herself and the boys ready on time? I'm ready. 
And I have to confess this, I may have honked the horn one or two times just so the family would know, you know, I was just trying to help them know it was time to leave. <sighs> Wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Mary would get stressed. The kids, well, I probably fussed at them too. And when Mary and the boys finally got in the car, I would sometimes vent. I'd say, we're going to be late. It wasn't a good way to prepare our hearts to worship the Lord. And even back then, I knew there's a better way. I could have helped the kids get ready. I could have pitched in. I could have, but I rarely did. See, my light wasn't shining. Instead of igniting the light of my family on Sunday mornings, I was extinguishing that flame with exasperation and my own impatience. See, shining for our family requires loving them in words and in actions. It shows up when we do something that we hate so that our spouse won't have to do it. We sacrifice what we really want in order that we can give something to another family member. Shining happens when we're patient and forgiving. We don't honk the horn on Sunday mornings. We help with the kids. Being lit for Christ in our family means we teach the Christian faith to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our spouse, our cousins, our parents, our grandparents. And as we do that, we make church a priority. See, being lit for Christ begins with family, but it, then it extends to our work, our school, and many, any organization that which, to which we belong. And that's the second place where we shine. You know, I, I recently read a story about a, a young Christian woman who was going away to college. And the school she was going to was known for its liberal thought, specifically its animosity toward the Christian faith. And, and friends of this Young women were concerned how she was going to handle such adversity to what she believed. And after her first year, she returned home and she got with some of her friends. And one of her Christian friends, they asked her if her faith had resulted in persecution of any kind. And this Christian college student replied, no, it didn't. No one at the university knew I was a Christian. She was given a real-life example of our garbage bag covered Fred. We are the light of the world. Don't hide it. You know, last week I, I listened to a, a Louis Giglio podcast. Louis is a pastor, he's a speaker. And, and Louis said something in his podcast that really hit me. He said, We can spend more time fighting for right than we do being a light. We can spend more time fighting for right than we do being a light. And then he went on and he said, Now, before anybody says anything, both are important. Right or truth is important, but he said, don't forget to be a light. I, mean, I think about it this way. If we stand for biblical marriage, we should strive to have the strongest marriage that we possibly can. We, when people see our marriage, it should make them want to have a Christ-centered marriage for them, for themselves. Or if we stand for life, we should cherish all life. We see the value in each person. We love each person in words and in actions, even when we don't agree with them. You know, sometimes we get angry about things that are going on in our world. But I would ask the question, do we bring light? Or do we just complain? See, to stand for what is right is to bring light. Our lives should be 
a model of integrity and morality and grace and peace and humility and truth. We point people to Christ. And then the third place for a lit life is to shine in the community. A lit life shines brightly in the community. You know, Bethesda, one of the things in our mission statement that we're, we talk about a lot is impacting our community for Christ. See, Bethesda should be that city on the hill. There should be this sort of unstoppable glow coming from 85 Lime Gardens Drive. That glow should illuminate our part of South County. And, and to be that light means we've got to get out of the building. I don't know if you've noticed, but people don't always rush to church these days. And that just means we have to be out in the community. And that's what many of you do. I know you do it. You might share the light with your friends at breakfast. You bring light to the grocery store line. You light up your kid's school. You bring light in sending cards to people who need some joy. You bring light by giving to those in needs. You carry that light with you wherever you go. See, the fact is, is that we are more than just a bunch of people who show up on a Sunday morning. We are people that are on mission. The mission of God to bring light into darkness, to bring truth, to bring Christ into darkness. Christopher J.H. Wright wrote this. He said, an essential, an essential part of the mission of God's people is nothing other than to be what they are by living out the holiness of God in practical, everyday living. And then he concluded, he said, mission starts in your own home and spreads to your neighborhood. We are light. We share light in practical ways. We take the light of Jesus to the people. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. Jesus also said, though, he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus is the true light, the light that illuminates the darkness, and he has giving, given us the light of life. And what happens next is up to us. We can cover up his light with a garbage bag. We can lock it up in the church. We can get it out maybe twice a year at Christmas or Easter. Or we can let it shine every day for all to see. So be lit for Jesus. And go and help others light up. Amen. Before we have you sing, I did forget one announcement. Um, it's an important one. On September the 29th, we are having a potluck here at church. There'll be more information on it next week. I know it's coming really quick. Uh, the plan is to have a potluck and then to have a movie after it. And I know there was some discussion on the time, so we maybe got to work that out. But there'll be something in next week, so mark it on your calendar. Go to the golf tournament on Saturday. Come to the potluck on Sunday. Let's sing to the Lord. You can stay seated.